Hey, good morning, Encounter. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning as we start? Just praise Him. It is great to be with you, great to be together. I want to welcome everyone today. I also want to welcome our guests. We're so glad God has brought you here today. Welcome those online. You know, sometimes when you've been a part of a church family for a little while, and I'm like six weeks old, so right, I'm like, I'm like a regular now. So, But sometimes when you've been coming to a church for a while, you forget what it's like for a guest to come. Uh, someone who's brand new and never been to a church or maybe never been to uh, this church. And, you know, I was thinking about different experiences I have had where I was brand new to a church family. And, you know, when I came here, I knew some of you beforehand. So that's kind of like cheating, all right? Uh, but there was a time once where Amy, my wife, was working at University of Pacific in Northern California. And she had an event for the college at the Stockton Family Camp, which is in the Sierras. It's a little bit by Kirkwood. Uh, some of you might know where that's a ski resort for you skiers out there off Highway 88. And I was with her for the weekend. She was working the event. And on Sunday, I had an opportunity I don't often get. I got to just sneak away from the camp and go to a local church at Silver Lake. This is a high-altitude lake in the Sierras. And all I knew about the church was it was a non-denominational church. And I got there, and it was so beautiful. It was this old barn-like chapel. I mean, that's probably being generous, all right? Uh, and it was overlooking this lake. I walked in. There were like 20 people in there already, and uh, the worship started, and it was awesome. It was, a, it was a harmonica, a keyboard, and then like an accordion-like instrument. I don't know what it was called, but uh, that's what it was. And as I was sitting there worshiping, looking at the view, and with this group of people I didn't know, I just started thinking to myself, man, worship is so great. It's just whether it's anywhere or any time uh, as the people of God. But what was unique about this church is that they only met 10 times a year. And the reason for that is, is because it's such a high altitude, uh, places snowed in the rest of the year. And then basically after the 10 weeks is up in the summer, everybody's getting ready to be snowed in again. And so everybody comes to church, you know, who's on vacation up there and nobody knows each other. And so they had a tradition where everybody in the service would stand up and introduce themselves. And I thought, well, this is interesting. This is kind of fun. And so people started going around the room, and you would share your name and, you know, where you were from, whether you were on vacation, your greatest sin. And they just kind of went around the room. And I thought, that is so cool. Why don't we do that today? And I was going to have Robert start on our staff. No, we're not going to do that to him today. But, you know, having everybody stand and introduce themselves works in a group of 20, but it doesn't necessarily work in a group of a few hundred. But today... Uh, as a church together, as one church family together, we're going to continue to discover from God in his living word in the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. And we're actually entering the middle or the second half of this book of the Bible, uh, but I'm actually retitling the message series. We've been calling it Unbreakable But Broken. Uh, but today, God's going to shift our direction a little bit, and we're going to title the remaining messages, Thorns Into Glory. Because all of us in life have thorns, and they come in all different shapes and sizes. Sometimes they're circumstances, sometimes they're people that we're in thorny situations with. The Apostle Paul, who God used to write this book of the Bible to the New Testament church in Corinth and to us through his living word, uh, he's actually going to refer to them as thorns in the flesh. 
and begin to introduce us to how God can transform our thorns into His glory as we're on this really an endurance run with Him that's empowered by the love of Jesus Christ. And so since we want to be empowered by Christ today, we're going to ask, we're just going to begin with a reading of God's Word and with prayer. And I'm going to ask you to stand with us today, and then we're going to pray together. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 3. And by the way, we always put the scripture on the screen. There are Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you for you to use as well. You can also pull out your phone and use a digital Bible or an iPad. And if you go to EncounterLife.org, under the Resources tab, we have some uh, questions if you want to talk about it as a family or a group of friends later uh, from the message today. But this is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work and sleepless nights. Sounds like a young parent, doesn't it, right there? And hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through the glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. What a great prayer for us to begin with today, to open up our hearts to God. Would you join me in just asking the Lord to open up our hearts to Him this morning? Father God, uh, we do thank you for each and every person in the room, everyone joining us online. God, you have brought all of us together today, Lord, for the great purpose of glorifying you. And as we just enter your word and continue to worship, we open our hearts to you, Lord. We open our thoughts to you. We ask you to speak through your word, through your spirit, through this time together. And we ask this in the power of your son's name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... Amen. Please be seated. So distance runners are endurance runners, and uh, I've shared this before, but I used to love track and field when I was in high school and part of college, Uh, but I didn't really enjoy cross country, uh, but I ran cross country in order to get in shape for track and field. That's just how it works. And, And, you know, because endurance runners are, you know, they have the long view in mind. Uh, sprinters have the short view in mind, but when you first begin a cross-country season, you know, your coach sends you out into the city, and you start running around, and when you're first building up your endurance, uh, one of the things you're really thankful for is when you come to a stoplight, (laughs) And, and, and you get to catch your breath, so to speak, and this morning, in, in many ways, we, we're, we're here almost like we're at a stoplight to pause and catch our breath from God. 
to let him to fill us and to fill the lungs of our life with him. Because one of the things that happens for endurance runners is they do things like they run intervals and they run hills and they do longer runs and they actually compete in and do all these different things to build their endurance. And God today, through his living word, wants us to build our endurance and our strength and empower us uh, for our life with him. And so we're going to talk about what some Bible translations refer to as patient endurance in following Christ by giving some ways we endure as God turns our thorns in life into his greater glory. And one of the ways we endure is so powerful and fundamental uh, to having endurance in Christ, and that is by being servants. This is how he put it in verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance. I want to begin by pointing out, I usually, when I teach, I teach from the English Standard Version. Today, I'm using the New International Version. Uh, for those of you who may be newer to God's Word, uh, the Bible is written in different versions. It's almost like, you know, being from Boston or from being so from Southern California. You have a little bit different dialect. You're saying the same thing, but in a slightly different way. Uh, but I really like how the New International Version uh, says this verse because it actually comes down to one little punctuation point for me where in the NIV or the New International Version, there's a semicolon after the word endurance instead of, the word, uh, instead of a comma. And I truly believe that this entire passage is about spiritual endurance through Jesus Christ. And that little semicolon highlights that a little bit more, and I'm probably being a little bit nitpicky, but, uh, but I'm just, I just wanted to point out that I'm using a different translation today. Verse 4 says, rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, and he begins to share how. In troubles and hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. One of the things that happens to all of us when we face thorns, whether they're people thorns or situational thorns or health thorns, is we wonder, well, is God present in this moment? And how can God love me? He's allowing this to come into my life. And as we have seen sometimes in the book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul once again is going to bring us back to this wisdom that the greatest display of God's power is not always in the absence of pain or even in the presence of, of a miracle, but in walking with Christ in patient endurance uh, this side of heaven. Uh, yes, God works powerfully with miracles sometimes. We pray for miracles, we trust God for miracles, yet He works in both ways, and He does so as we follow Him as a servant. And so He, he lists these trials again, troubles, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. You read that list and you realize really quickly that Paul is wanting to persuade us once again when it comes to following Jesus that to do so from a position of weakness, where we're dependent on Christ as we face our thorns, instead of from a position or a platform of power where we might be fooled and thinking that, you know, we have it all together on our own, uh, whatever our current thorns in life may be. And one of the things that's very true is it's really hard to walk with patient endurance with joy 
uh, when you don't have the heart of a servant. When you don't realize that you're a servant of Christ in whatever that situation may be. And so we face different thorny issues and thorny people. And one of the great qualities that God builds in us is to realize that often in the midst of a thorn, as God is transforming us, part of that transformation is for our hearts to get into this position where we realize that we're serving God in the face of that challenge. And that He is number one in the face of that thorn or in that thorny situation or thorny relationships. And remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, we read this, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for, for, who, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so we live for Christ... Because he died for us on the cross, and he rose again, and he invites us into life with him. And it's that love for us that empowers us to live as servants as we follow his model as servants. Uh, God puts it the way, he says, his love is what compels us. And again, you know, for me, sometimes when I'm facing a thorn, uh, whether it's a longer term one or whether it's a shorter term one, it's in that moment where all of a sudden I find my heart realizing, oh, you know, no matter how hard, how challenging this is, once I realize, oh, I, I'm serving God in this, that is when actually He begins to transform my life. When I start to realize that the thorn is actually part of the fertile soil that God is using to change me. When I begin to realize and trust Him as His servant, that He actually does have the power to transform my thorns into something that can be used for His greater glory. Now, there's a woman once by the name of Zoe Kopelitz. Uh, she has a great last name, and she ran the New York City Marathon. And when she ran the marathon, uh, she didn't end up finishing up front with the front runners. Uh, she didn't come in first. She actually came in dead last, all right, uh, that year in the marathon. Uh, the winning time for the marathon that she was a part of was two hours and 23 minutes. That's amazing, 26.2 miles. Uh, Zoe's time was 28 hours and 45 minutes. And part of the reason for her taking 28 hours and 45 minutes was because 30 years before she had been diagnosed with MS or multiple sclerosis. And so when she ran the race, she had a back brace on. She had two knee braces. She had crutches that were painted purple. And she had a sea of just raving fans cheering her along the way. And as she ran, it really wasn't a comfortable run for her, those 26.2 miles. In fact, I imagine it being agonizing for her at time. And I would imagine that her form, when it compared to other athletes, uh, didn't compare at all. And yet when she finished, she simply said this, it was a total blessing, and I'm extremely grateful simply to be able to compete, let alone to finish. And when I read these verses, what I think God is reminding us of today is that as we are running the race that God has set before us, as we are enduring with Him and with His strength, whether we're rolling, walking, running, or crutching, or whatever it may be, may we do so as servants of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. 
In fact, it was one of the first verses I had the privilege of sharing with you. Uh, it was in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where God says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We endure as followers of Jesus Christ by being servants. We also endure by using God's weapons in the battle. Verse 4 began, in great endurance, and then he adds in verse 6, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Endurance is built by having weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. That means using everything God's given us at our disposal from Him, all of our spiritual weapons. And at times that require endurance, the level of our strength to face a thorny issue is directly related to the spiritual weapons that we use that God offers us all the time. And any athlete will use every tool at their disposal when they're competing. And look at some of the weapons of endurance that Paul lists because I think they're actually kind of different than the ones we would expect to see uh, when we think about spiritual warfare or something like that. This is what he says again. Impurity, <clears throat> that's an interesting weapon. Understanding, <clears throat> excuse me. Patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech, in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. So purity, that's keeping our lives pure and not allowing our lives to be contaminated by things that would hinder our freedom in Christ. Uh, understanding patience and kindness. Uh, I don't know about you, but those certainly aren't the weapons of the world, are they? Uh, those are weapons that we get from the fruit of the Spirit in our life. He mentions truthful in our speech and in the power of God. That's faithfully preaching the truth of Christ in our lives. That means that we realize we get to share Christ with others in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results up to God. And that in doing that, when the opportunities He gives us, and when the Bible says with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, it's actually an ancient reference to a, a, a warrior, how they would often in their right hand have an, a, a you know, a weapon of offense, like a sword. In their left hand, they would have a weapon of defense, like a shield. And so if you want divinely enabled endurance, we use divinely empowered weapons. And you think about, what are the weapons of the world? Well, they're, they're pretty, you know, the ones you'd think of. Military might, media, money, political power. Now, those are just a few to name. And there's actually nothing wrong with using all of those, but God is encouraging us, well, those have their place, but I have given you some different weapons to use, weapons of righteousness like prayer and the Word and the fruit of the Spirit and kindness and the Holy Spirit's strength, these really unconventional weapons that God uh, wants us to use. Uh, there's a young surfer by the name of Charlie Fry. Uh, who once got into an incident while he was surfing off the coast of Australia where he was attacked by a shark. Uh, Charlie Fry, he's from Britain, uh, and when he was young, he wanted to learn how to surf. And so he did what a lot of young people did, and he went on to YouTube and started watching videos on how to surf. And he found some videos from Mick Fanning, uh, who is an Australian surfer. So those of you who surf might remember that name. And anyways, Mick Fanning has this YouTube video where he's teaching people how to surf, that if you ever come up to a shark or are attacked by a shark, that you make a fist and you punch him in the nose. 
And he's in this video and he shows it. And Charlie Fry was off the coast of Australia. He was surfing and he was in the water and he felt some commotion behind him and thought maybe one of his friends was joking around with him. And he turned around and there was a shark coming at him. He made a fist with his left hand and he punched the shark in the nose. And he got back up on his board, caught the wave, and got to shore. And when he got to shore, he realized he'd actually been bitten. He had some puncture marks on his arm, though it wasn't life-threatening at all. And yet most of us would not think of punching a shark in the nose as a way to defend ourselves. It's a little bit unconventional uh, of a way uh, to defend yourself against a shark. And yet Mick Fanning's YouTube videos saved Charlie Fry's life that day. And in a similar way, I think God is inviting us to use some unconventional weapons when it comes to dealing with the thorns in our life, whether they're circumstantial, whether they're relational, whatever they may be, in in a way to punch our thorn in the nose today with some purity and some kindness, with the heart of a servant, with the fruit of the Spirit, with the word of God, with the gospel message, the message of grace that we can have life in Christ so that we can keep riding the wave of endurance, patient endurance with the help of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the weapons that God gives his church is prayer. And we're so thankful for the many, many prayer warriors of Encounter. And we want you to know that on any given Sunday when the service is over, when we finish our worship celebration, right over there are some tables and there's some people who just love to pray. And if you ever want prayer, they would love to pray with you and over you and for you. And it's available every Sunday. And can we just give a hand to our prayer warriors over there? We're thankful for you. Another weapon that God gives us is worship, and worshiping in song, worshiping in the Word, and we actually have a really special worship celebration coming up. Uh, November 6th is Daylight Savings. We fall back an hour on that day, and so we decided we are going to just change everything up that day, and we are going to have what we're calling an all-together worship celebration. So there's only going to be one worship service on November 6th, so normally we worship at 1045, which is all of you, and we also worship at 9 a.m., but on November 6th, we are going to be worshiping at 10 a.m., so everybody has to change, all right? Everybody has to adjust that day, and so we're going to have one all-together service. Uh, there's going to be, uh, it's going to be a family service, so that means that ch- children's ministry will only go up to kindergarten that day, and at 9 a.m., if you show up on the patio, there's going to be a pancake breakfast out there for us to share together, and John Goodwin and a bunch of great people are going to be helping us with that. We're thankful for John and leading the pancake charge for us on November 6th. We're also going to have our children's praise kids are going to sing some songs that day. It's going to be a great time to be all together. We're going to celebrate with some baptisms. And by the way, if you don't know this, we love baptisms at Encounter. Amen? Because we get to celebrate that people are having their lives changed by Jesus Christ. And if you have given your life to Jesus and yet you, you haven't taken that step of faith to be baptized, to express it, there are actually papers on the chair when you came in. If you'd like to be baptized or learn more about it, you just fill that out, hand it to one of the ushers on the way out or in one of the uh, little uh, offering boxes on the wall. Uh, and we'd love to just share with you and love to have you join us for baptism that Sunday. Because baptism is a celebration of the fact that we have given the thorns of our sin to Jesus Christ as our Savior.
And that he died on the cross in our place and he rose again. We go under that water, it's a symbol of how we've died in him and then we were raised to new life. And when you get baptized, you don't have to have your life all figured out, all perfect. You're actually celebrating that Jesus is your righteousness and you're following him. And so we'd love to have you join us with that if you can. And also on the All Together service on November 6th, it's a great Sunday to invite a friend. And by the way, every Sunday is a good Sunday to invite a friend. Uh, because every Sunday we trust the Lord. Yeah, we'll give the Lord a hand on that. I'll take that. Yeah. Every Sunday, I know, we know that it may be one of God's salvation Sundays for someone who walks in these doors. I recognize as God's servant that uh, there are people that some people have been praying for for years that might be the Sunday they walk into church. Someone that you've been sharing Christ with at work and that God may have ordained a moment for them to come with him. And so every Sunday we get to the gospel in one form or another uh, at Encounter, whether it's in the songs or whether it's in the message or uh, in a testimony during the day. It was Ray Ortland who said in his book titled The Gospel, he said this, Gospel doctrine creates cultures called churches where wonderful things happen to unworthy people for the glory of God alone. Amen? So, November 6th is Daylight Savings. We fall back an hour. What time is church on that Sunday? Say it out loud. 10 a.m. And at 9 a.m. we're having what? Pancakes. All right. So 9 a.m. pancakes out on the patio. 10 a.m. is service. And so bonus, you get an extra hour of sleep that day. This is a great Sunday. All right. Plus you get pancakes. It doesn't get better than that. So hope to see you there with a lot of friends. We're going to have a great time together. We also endure by asking for God's perspective in it all. Verse 8, he says this, through glory and dishonor. Dishonor is a thorn. Living for the glory of Jesus Christ is a glory. Amen? Bad report and good report. A bad report is a thorn. A good report is where we praise God and give Him glory for a certain situation. A bad report are the nine points the Rams scored on Monday. A good report are the 24 points the Niners scored on Monday. I may have to ask for forgiveness for that afterwards. I'm abusing the pulpit. But I had so many of you giving me a hard time last weekend and as a, as a, as a Niner fan. And, and I wasn't expecting a victory, but we'll take it. You know, as a Niner fan, sometimes you got to take it while you can because it's been a little while. So anyway, thanks for letting me uh, join that with me. And thanks for all the razzing out there. But genuine yet regarded as imposters, being called an imposter is a thorn. And yet being genuine for Jesus Christ in the midst of that is a glory. Known and yet regarded as unknown. Feeling unknown is a thorn. And yet being known by God in those times of loneliness is a glory. Dying and yet we live on. Dying in these broken vessels that we call bodies is a thorn. And yet living for eternity with Jesus Christ is a glory. Beaten and yet not killed, being beaten down physically or emotionally or relationally is a thorn, and yet not losing hope in the midst of it is a glory. In talking with some of you, I know that sometimes at work there are these times where as you stand up for your faith or you stand up with integrity in the midst of very complex business dealings, sometimes that can cause you to be ostracized among uh, other employees. Sometimes it can cause you to not be promoted or to be demoted. And sometimes that's a thorn 
but it's a glory when we don't become bitter in that and when we have the privilege of shining for Christ in those moments because he's the one who transforms thorns into glory maker moments He's because he's that good and he's that loving. And Paul continues the list, and I think it's because he knows we need convincing. In verse 10, he says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Uh, feeling sorrowful for many things in life is a thorn, yet rejoicing in Christ is a glory among the sorrows. And then he says, poor yet making many rich. Uh, we are all spiritually poor through sin. And yet, Jesus Christ invites us to, into an inheritance as children of God when we embrace Him as Savior. And sometimes in life, God will lead us to actually become materially poor by using our finances to help someone else uh, with their finances or to invest in the kingdom so that others can hear about Christ. Let me give you an example. Uh, we want to be asking all of you to be praying because next weekend is Moose Mountain, our student ministry's fall camp. And so be praying for, yeah, you youth can yell about that. That's pretty exciting. And by the way, Pastor Austin is back after being away after the birth with his wife Lexi of little Georgia right over here. So we're glad to have all of them back, and Sailor's their other daughter, but man, uh, that is pretty precious right there. So, But we want to be praying for all of our student ministries, but many of you have already helped out. Uh, there are a number of students who needed scholarships this year, and you can still be a part of that if you would like to. Just put Moose Mountain on there. Uh, and it's just a way that we invest in the kingdom by helping students go to camp, and uh, there is nothing more life-changing than getting away from everything for a weekend and just uh, getting to hear about the Lord together. Uh, the other thing that's going on in October is we have Christmas for our global partners. And in, in essence, what it is, is during the month of October, you can give to that fund and it gets saved. And it's almost like early Christmas shopping for all of our global partners. And it gets divided in December as a Christmas gift, supporting many of the missionaries around the world who are reaching people for Christ in less reached or unreached areas of the world. And so that goes on all during the month of October. Which leads us to the last part of the verse where he says this, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Having nothing is a thorn. Possessing everything in Christ is a glory. And the Apostle Paul's talking spiritually. Spiritually, we're bankrupt apart from Christ, yet in Christ we have everything. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. And by the way, Qualified is past tense and done. You don't qualify yourself. God the Father does. And it's done. It's past tense. It gets even better. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us, past tense and done, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. We have been transferred over, and so we have a spiritual inheritance as God's kids, and we've been delivered from darkness into the kingdom of light, and it's this kingdom that's dominated by the love of Jesus Christ. You know, on my wrist today, I have this little bracelet. Uh, it was made from a bunch of different threads. My daughter, uh, in the middle of COVID, when we were in the lockdown, started making bracelets, and she made this for me. Uh, it's, it's green, my favorite color. You couldn't tell now. It's like completely faded. It's barely, it's just got hanging on by a thread. Uh, but, you know, when your daughter gives you something, you wear it loud and proud, right? Because it reminds me of her love for me and my love for her. And when I see it, I'm reminded of that. And today, God is wanting us 
to wear his love loud and proud and reminded of it to empower us to endure as we face different thorns, as we face different challenges. And so what thorn are you facing right now that God wants to lavish his love on you in to help you walk through it and over it or around it or in it as he is turning your thorn into his part of his greater glory? And the beauty is, is that our circumstances don't always change. They don't. Some of our thorns, we have all this, all this time, all the way to the side of heaven. But God is transforming us uh, into Christ's likeness in the midst of it. And it's totally possible today that some of you walk in the room and you think about your life. You go, well, no, I don't really have any big thorns right now. Nothing too big. But maybe actually the thorn is more just inside right now. In fact, I would argue all of us have a bit of thorniness in us. Some of you might want to, you know, bump someone next to you and say, well, you know, no, don't do that. We, we all have a bit of thorniness, and maybe part of what God is calling us to is just to give that over to Him. In fact, it's part of the secret of having patient endurance through the power of Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, he's talking to the Corinthian church, and opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. <clears throat> As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. In the case of the Corinthian church, there were some disputes, some arguments among this small group of people in the Corinthian church with the apostle Paul, where they really were questioning him about certain things. And Paul says, hey, I just want you all to know, I've opened up my heart to God. And I also want you all to know that I'm opening up my heart to you because I care about you as a fellow child of God. And the Apostle Paul is actually lovingly calling out this group of people and he says, you know, you're, you're holding back your affection from me. And I really appreciate it because he, he's not really getting into the issue, but he's saying you're, you're holding back relationship with me. And he's really modeling something really powerful where Man, when we have thorns, the first step, you open up yourself to God. That's the first step, and you become a servant. And then sometimes when those thorns involve other people, the next step is to open up your heart to others. And the beauty is, when you've opened up your heart to God, and even when you've opened up your heart to others, you are safely and securely in the hands of the great glory maker. And it actually doesn't matter how the other person responds you're right where God wants your heart to be. And I wonder, what thorn or thorns do you have in life right now that you need to give over to God? By opening up your heart to Him today, maybe even opening up your heart to someone else, realizing that in that thorn, number one, you're a servant of Jesus Christ, and you have a new perspective and it's dominated by the love of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we end today as we began with our hearts open before you. And Father, I just want to lift up to you uh, everyone who walked in this room and some of the thorns are pretty heavy today. They've been weighing on them for a while. And I pray in the midst of of those challenges, Lord, they will just sense the presence of your love. 
that they'll be able to open up their heart to you and sense your strength, your spirit, your grace that is lavished on them, the, the spirit's strength. Lord, we want to just fight with spiritual weapons today, and so we thank you that we can come to you in prayer and pray for others and pray for one another. We thank you that we have your good news, such good news to share, and we love you today. And we thank you that we can come boldly to you. In Jesus' name, amen.